Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network, and thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer, and I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Before we get started with our guest today, I wanted to remind the listeners out there that I'm going to be putting together episodes with warrior stories. Please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org with your stories of inspiration, what helped you through your cancer journey, or how your life has changed for the better since cancer. Submissions should be five to 10 minutes long and in your own words. Thanks so much. But let's get started with today's show. My guest today, Marin Higby, is an Emmy-nominated producer, writer, author of two books, and on top of all that was her husband Brandon's 100% caregiver when he was diagnosed with inoperable lymphoma. She juggled her busy professional career while literally sitting by his side in the hospital. They dealt with it by working through it with laughter and humor. And I totally get that because when I was diagnosed for the second time around, I did a lot of laughing, so I would not cry 100% of the time. So welcome, Marin. Thank you so much for being here today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Marin, and um, I've been a reality TV producer. I've been uh, working in video forever and always thought that I really had my stuff together uh, until my Don't husband was diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> and then you're like, holy cow, what is this world? Yeah, cancer really throws a, a wrench into your perfectly planned life and everything's going <laughs> along just fine and things are good. And then it's like, oh, you have cancer. And it doesn't matter if it's you or your partner or your child or your parent. It just throws your entire life into turmoil. And yeah. so, you know, a road, the road not taken because nobody wants to take it is where you end up going. And that's crazy. So tell us. Tell us about the cancer journey in your world. Yeah. So uh, it was so it's the story I hear over and over again, and maybe not so much with breast cancer, but with other cancers, not just lymphoma. There's this little cough. There's this little cough mm. that hangs out forever. And, and it's easy to ignore because it's a little cold, right? Like nobody's going to, this isn't a big deal. My husband's Mr. Macho. Thank God he had changed jobs and uh, was under my health insurance when he got this little cough mm -hmm. that suddenly made it so he couldn't climb a flight of stairs. Wow. Um, and so we, we go to the ER thinking, well, we, we didn't go to the ER. He went to his general doctor. His doctor's like, you have to go to the ER. Right? And how long, how long did he have the cough for? Oh, gosh, I think it was like six weeks. And of course, I'm sure many times you're like, honey you should go to the doctor. And he's like, I'm fine. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Because I know my husband hates to go to the doctor and many, many, and it's not just men. People hate to go to the doctor, sure. but I do feel like sometimes women are more proactive about that. Oh yeah. I was all over him. Just like, go, 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 go to the mm -hmm. doctor, go. And I, I like went on a business trip to Miami for something to do a shoot. And uh, he scheduled this doctor's appointment two weeks out. And I was like, you know, and by the time uh, back up, we were we were in the ER, and it turns out he has a six-inch mass between his lungs. Holy crap. Inch, not millimeter. Right. Inch, inch. Mass. His heart is racing. Like, he could have had a heart attack at any time. It's closing off his esophagus. It's closing off his, uh, I don't know all my terms. This is part of the problem. It's closing off all of the important things. Yes. It's closing off the things that you need. That you need to live. And uh, and it was inoperable. So it was like, eh, well, you know, we should probably um, start chemo now because he may not make it the weekend to go to the other doctor to see. Oh. So... It's kind of kind of terrifying. That is, <laughs> that is insane. So he actually went to the, the GP first and then they said, go to the hospital now. And they didn't say anything. They just like 
the doctor looked at the x-ray and Brandon mm-hmm. said he acted so weird and was like, uh, I think you need to go to the ER. And the craziest part is I, I was running a talk show for Microsoft at the time. Mm-hmm. And my husband calls and says, hey, uh, the doctor says I need to go to the ER. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of busy today. Can you call my mom and, <laughs> and, and see if she'll take you? Because it's just that little cough, right? And then I thought, wait a sec, whoa, 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 ER, I'm coming home, hold Mm -hmm. on, I'm coming home, like, I almost made the worst decision of my life, I can't imagine if I had stayed at work, and, and it was my mom that called and said, um, your husband has cancer. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's funny, because when we're in the the thick of it, and busy with our careers, it's, you always, like, when you're in the, I remember when I was working full-time in a very high-pressure job, that, that was first, and, Yes, you have you have your family and your spouse or whatever, but your job is so important. And that's how we we kind of identify ourselves is our careers sometimes. But I mean, thankfully, you did take a step back and you're like, wait, hold on. This is my husband and he's going to the ER. So what happened when like he was actually diagnosed? Like how did how did that come about? Was it on that visit or was another time? Well, that's the thing. Um, I I wish I had known that I didn't know was like, they say you have cancer. Well, actually the doctor didn't even say that he had cancer. They said he has um, a six inch mass between his lungs. And of course I was filled with questions. My husband's sitting there cause he's kind of the, the quiet stoic type mm-hmm. and I'm just captain rambly pants. So I'm like, and I'm like, what are the chances this is cancer? And the doctor mm-hmm. didn't say anything. He just stared at the floor and like that, you know, like, silent um, way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, so, and he so. just kind of looked at me. I was like, so this is cancer. And then, of course, I'm like, what type? What's the prognosis? Am I going to have my husband tomorrow or am I going to have him in 10 years? Or what do we know? And, and all they can say is, we don't know. Oh, super helpful. Thank you. We, we don't know. And not only that, we're not going to know for at least a week. Wow. Because of biopsies and test results? Right. Okay. I mean, because you said inoperable. So they, they knew that right away by looking at the x-rays, by everything that it was attached to and blocking off. Maybe. Maybe they didn't tell me that right away, to be to be frank. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I know that at some point we learned, well, pretty quick in, we learned it was inoperable. But we mm-hmm. we thought it, they thought it might be Hodgkin's lymphoma. It turned out to be non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay. You know, and then it's large B cell. And then you have to learn, like, where is it? And he has to get the... Um, Oh, what is it? When they drill into your spine and take out some marrow, they had to... Oh, the spinal tap. Spinal tap, checking mm-hmm. for cancer in there. His oh, lungs God, are filling with fluid. Oh. Um, so they're draining a liter and a half out of his lungs. Holy moly. My husband's not a large person. Like, mm-hmm. he's five foot five. Like, where did a liter and a half and a six inch tumor along with all his organs fit inside his rib cage, which is why he wasn't able to function well because it was, it was really pressing on everything else. So what did they decide? um, What was the actual treatment plan that he ended up undergoing? So after uh, a week of not knowing and and being terrified, um, they came in and said, he has to do, five days of in-hospital treatment, 24 hours a day, and then 14 days home, and then back for five days. And we had to do that cycle six times. Oh, my gosh. And so that moved us into the hospital. And um, thank God I have one of the best um, jobs on the planet as far as my job is cool. I love my job. But I mean, the Mm -hmm. company I work for, they just said, hey, anything you need, full pay, full benefits, full everything, um, take care of your family. That's most important. So shout out to Mighty Media for that. They I um, love that. That's fabulous. Really, And actually, I was running a talk show at the time, which is like heavy duty, like interviewing guests. And mm-hmm. you might know, you might have, <laughs> have some experience with that. Um, but I had to be on different locations to shoot. So they uh, shifted me off of that and put me into business development, which was something we were already talking about. So it wasn't a surprise. Um, so I could do that from the hospital and never have to be away from my husband if I didn't need to be. That's fabulous. I was, um, I binged all of your, we're going to talk about it later, but your <laughs> confessions of a caregiver, um, mini-sodes, I guess, that you've created to work yeah. on a campaign that we're going to talk about in a little bit. 
but I love that. And one of the things was um, how you were talking about when you were live doing, I think, live meetings or um, oh. and your husband got up in a total daze and went to the bathroom with the door open. And, you know, it's like you can't tell him, honey, honey, stop. But and everyone on your call heard like everything going on in the bathroom and the flushing and all of that. And and you're mortified. But it's also like, well, this is my life right now. Yeah. oh I was so sad it was so sad and I actually still have the contact for that client and she's really nice person so I'm not sure that that's what killed the deal but um you could could hold over his head right no remember that killer flush (laughs) but I thought about sending her that video and being like do you remember this like maybe I can revive that relationship I love that. Now, so when you were there, you were there for five days at a time and then you got to go home for two weeks. So every five days, you would be both living in the hospital room, essentially. Yeah. So they would bring a cot in for me or I'd sleep in one of those rolly chairs. Um, Every once in a while, I slept at home, but it was pretty rare. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would go to my mom's house, which was fairly close to the hospital and shower and all that stuff. Uh, But yeah, it was an interesting experience living in the hospital. I um, gosh, there was, it was New Year's Eve and I went out for a, a little walk and, uh, and there's a, gra- a gathering of people. We're like probably on our second treatment at this point. There's a gathering mm-hmm. of people and they're crying and there's two little kids and, and there's a, a gentleman probably in his thirties. And as I'm walking by, he says, um, can you take the kids home so I can stay until they take her body? <gasps> oh, and I just like, oh, it still makes me cry. Oh my gosh. Um, and I just like, oh my gosh, I wanted to rush back to the hospital room and like hold on to Brandon. Like mm-hmm. I got you right now and you know, hopefully oh. we're going to make it. But like when you're living in a hospital, that actually wasn't the only time we had that experience. Right. Because, you know, unfortunately healthy people are not in hospitals. So there, <laughs> yes. you know, you, you're, Brandon is one of the fortunate ones who, you know, he, he gets through it and he is in remission now and he comes out fine, but yeah, it's everyone else is not that lucky. No, absolutely and not. So you, you are, you've both been incredibly blessed and thankful for that. But are there any other, um, you know, shout out obviously to mighty media who are you still with the same company? Yes, I am. I love I'm very that. that's, dedicated. That's awesome. And I'm sure there were many other moments when you're trying to sit there and work through the hospital or work while you're in the hospital that were just crazy because, you know, Brandon's a hundred percent your focus, but you've got to also pay the bills and make sure the insurance is still valid. And that yeah. was probably a huge juggling act. It was. And I'll say that mighty, uh, mighty was going to change insurance companies because there was a slightly better deal and they stayed on the same insurance for one more year because we literally hit exactly halfway through chemo on New Year's Eve. Of course. And um, I told Brandon, like, we could have spent half the amount of money if you would have gotten cancer. So we only covered one year instead of two years of copays. Oh, my like, God. I exactly. I was I used to have my mammograms in December and the my first bout of breast cancer had my mammogram on December 4th. I was diagnosed on December 7th the day that will live in infamy forever. Um, And I had MRIs and I had scans and I had biopsies. And so literally I hit my deductible twice. I hit it in December and then I hit it again in January. And so after that, I changed my mammograms to January because I'm like, F this, I'm not doing this again (laughs) if it comes back. (laughs) Oh man, I I wish I was that smart. Although, you know, maybe if he'd gone a little bit earlier, we could have gotten the diagnosis before I named his tumor Arnie or he did, or we did um, before Arnie got really going. Mm -hmm. He really got going. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like Arnie was just on a roll to get to be six inches in the the center of your chest. I mean, you know, I have to say Brandon must've been quite of a quite a he-man to actually not to make it as long as he did without treatment. I can't believe it. Like one of my best girlfriends, uh, Valerie is a hospice nurse. And before that she was an ER nurse. So she came up to the hospital room and looked at his x-ray and started Mm -hmm. to cry. 
This is not a woman that cries. She finds joy in helping people pass. She's always very positive. And when she started to cry, I was like, oh man. Like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. And she's like, you're gonna, you're gonna be okay. I'm like, I do not want to need your services, my friend. I do not yeah. want to need your services. And listeners, if you want to look for if you you can actually can see the x-ray because it's in one of the the um, the many episodes that Marin has done, Marin has done, um, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But were there any changes that you had to make? Obviously, you switched from you know kind of being a producer to more business development. Um, was there anything else that you kind of really did during that time frame to switch and make it easier for you? Um, I really just I stopped everything. I'm a very busy, busy. I have to be doing 10 things at the same time. So like I'm making the mini episodes and I'm writing and I'm writing two books right now and (laughs) I have my full-time job and, you know, like I just always Mm -hmm. lots of stuff. And when that happened, it just went, and all I did was write a blog because I did not want people calling me. One, I don't like the phone anyway, just be fair, but Mm -hmm. um, I did not want the call. So the blog took care of that. I love that. So you really were able to say, okay, Everything else is done for now. This is what I'm focusing on. And that's, that's, you focused on what's important, but we do have to take a break. So remember listeners out there, if you want to make a donation to breast friends, you can do so by texting BF radio to 41444 to help breast friends continue on its mission to ensure that women don't through go through cancer alone in a little bit. I will obviously also give you the place where you can donate for, um, what Marin is talking about. So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast friends need your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax deductible donation to breast friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. I'm Michelle Beck, and we've been talking to Marn Higby about what it's like to be a caregiver when your loved one has cancer. So many of our listeners, Marn, have been through chemo themselves. How did Brandon feel or react during his rounds of chemo? What, what was it like for him? I think he was, uh, he slept a lot. There was a lot of um, difficulty, but some of the, it was something I laugh a lot about now, but at the time was just really, uh, he's very um, meticulous. Mm-hmm. about everything so we'd get to the hospital and they do that uh um oh my goodness now i'm losing the word um, so you have cancer brain too yeah i got it <laughs> my proxy by osmosis um, yes uh oh before they start chemo they give him i keep wanting to say testosterone but it's uh steroids oh, yeah mm-hmm. and the steroids would get him all amped up and uh, he would reorganize his room and like clean things and move <laughs> things and then go for a walk. And he'd often look at me and go like, I'm starting to feel antsy because sometimes I could start being annoying. Uh, mm-hmm. And the other thing he did, which I thought was kind of hilarious, is he would not dress like a cancer patient. He wore a button up short sleeve shirt 
and shorts mm-hmm. 100% of the time in the hospital. And it, it was interesting because I felt like we'd see people come into the hospital and they would, you know, kind of look like they weren't feeling well. And you'd see them a half hour later in their gown hunched over like f- 10 times worse. And who knows? Yep. I mean, they may have just started chemo. They may have gotten a medicine that didn't make them feel well. Like I get all that, but he like was determined to like, I'm not sick. He still doesn't see himself as a, as mm-hmm. a cancer survivor. He's just a guy yep. that went through this treatment. Yeah. Um, so he, he managed pretty well through it, but his, uh, eating habits turned into like a two year olds. Oh yeah. You know, you know, waffles and mac and cheese and burritos, breakfast burritos were a big one. <laughs> so, well, and if the hospital actually has decent food, um, and in one of your little mesas, you said how the breakfast burritos were amazing. And I was like, huh, I do not remember any good hospital food. So you guys must've been in the right place. Um, you're <laughs> we lucky. And one thing I know for me, when you don't really understand cancer treatments until you're in them, you know, no one can prepare you for the realities and you don't really know the truth behind the scenes. And what was the most surprising thing about the treatments for you? Oh man, it was, um, for me, I, I mean, I'm talking from the caregiver yeah, for the caregiver for you mm-hmm. was I've got a very sick husband whose hus- heart is racing people the it's like a, it's like an airport in there or something. Revolving so many, door. The revolving door of people. Mm-hmm. And then they're coming in and just dumping brochures on me. And it's like <laughs> the the nutritionist and the, the doctor and the this and the that and the this. And uh, like everybody had something they needed me to know. And I, you know, sitting there thinking like, I have not processed the fact that I'm dealing with cancer. I am, I, I did not do well in the sciences. I'm a, a creative type. Mm-hmm. And now you want me to understand like chemo drugs and timing and nadir and like germs and food. And I just like, it was overwhelming. Death and by brochures. Death by brochures. Totally. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was buried and all the best intentions, like the, the staff at the hospital was a saving grace. There was a, a nurse particularly named um, Lara, Lara who was the one that intercepted me the day he was diagnosed. I walked out the door, shut the door and just slid down the door and started crying. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I went in the hospital with the husband with a little cough and came out with a husband with cancer. And it was just like, I don't know what to do. And they just kind of scooped me up. Um, So I know their intentions are good, but there's gotta be a better way of helping the caregiver figure out what, what to do. Like maybe a, a trickle, (laughs) <laughs> a mm-hmm. trickle of information as well, I know coming from the patient side, when you hear those words, your brain just shuts down because you, you go into the fight or flight and you just want to flight because you don't want to really accept the words that, you know, you have cancer and same for a caregiver. I'm sure because especially as a caregiver, you want to help and you want to take care. And as women too, we're, we're definitely, generally very comforting and and we end up being caregivers even if there's nothing going on and so now your your brain is like okay what do, what do i do how do i do this but you're also in shock really and them dumping you know 25 brochures on you about all these different things is like well i don't i don't even know what i can i can't even focus on you let alone read a brochure so right. it would it would be great in a perfect world i think to have a, a social worker visit come in and to sit with the caregiver and the family say, hey, here's what this is in plain English. This yeah. is this is the best paragraph you can take out of here. This is what you need to know for here. And hey, we'll have another visit tomorrow. And you can ask more questions because it's it's just so completely overwhelming. Yeah. And they're trying. I mean, like, I don't want to say anything bad about because I'm not upset with my my husband's treatment at all. One, I, sure. I got to keep him and he's in remission and very healthy. Mm-hmm. right now um but just that that moment of not understanding is yeah. is overwhelming and, and just thinking like gosh what if i do something wrong what if mm-hmm. what if um he dies on my watch like not not from the cancer but from something i could have could have done something and then right. he's a very able-bodied guy he didn't want to be the cancer guy he still wanted to vacuum and 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 pick up after the dog but it's like no you're not supposed to do that Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Now you had his, obviously he's in remission. How long ago was, um, was he diagnosed? So he was diagnosed in September of 2017 and then we did six months of treatment. So he's been in remission for, what is that? Three years now? Yeah. So going, going, uh, we're working towards four. So that's always good. They say, um, I don't, I have no idea what recurrence rates are for lymphoma, but you know, I'm sure there's some magic year number where they're like, Hey, you're getting towards five years. Life is good. And you don't have to worry about it as much anymore. Yeah. Dr. Pagel's already saying it's, it's, he's in pretty good shape because usually this is a cancer that, um, older people get, not Mm -hmm. somebody in his early forties. Exactly. Now. So since he obviously is in remission, um, and I know personally with breast cancer, quite often, once you're done with treatment, it's kind of the, well, what do I do now? Yeah. And you're kind of just, you're, the medical teams are fabulous and they do what they're supposed to do, but then they set you out free into the world and you're like, oh, oh, what, well, is, is chemo over? Like, okay, chemo's over. So my treatment is over, but what now, what am I supposed to do now that I've been through this? Yeah, that's actually uh, one reason why I wrote a book. It's not out quite yet um, called The Cancer Patient's Wife is because I talk about going through chemo with, as a cancer patient's wife, but there's a whole second half of the book that's about um, this. I did the base the book on the stages of grief because there's six stages of grief, six stages of chemo treatment for us. Mm-hmm. But there's the whole thing you get back into your normal life and you no longer have this common enemy to fight. The cancer is is hopefully gone. You don't know mm-hmm. because it takes them however long, what a month or two to tell you whether right. it worked or not. Like, you know, which direction you're headed, mm-hmm. um, but you don't know. And then you're back in your life. You no longer have a common enemy that bonds you together. And you're in a life that looks a lot like the life you had before, but it's absolutely 6,000% different. And they're wondering how do we relate now? Like now you're not the patient and I'm not the caregiver and, and he wants to be independent and I'm still being protective and he's getting annoyed. And I, you know, I'm all over him all the time. And it's like, and I'm, you know, staring at him when he's sleeping, worried, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you, you're breathing different. Are you okay? Does it, it, did Arnie come back? Like it's, it takes a long time to balance that. And, and, um, it takes a lot of strength to realize one, he needs physical therapy too. We both, we needed couples counseling and mm-hmm. individual counseling yep. to process everything. Cause I told my therapist um, when it started, I said, I'm going to take all my feelings and shove them in a box. And I promise you when we get to the other side of this, we can gonna open the box, open it up. But right now it's all in the box. Cause I have nothing else. That's all I can do. Mm-hmm. Now, how did, how did he feel emotionally when he was going through it? You said he doesn't want to identify as a cancer patient. Correct. Um, didn't dress like a patient, you know, was, was really trying to keep outward, you know, his outward show of emotions and his presentation, quote unquote, normal. Yeah. So did he have any kind of, when it was all over, any like, oh, breakdown type of thing? Or how did he process everything? So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing about him. I learned a lot one of the biggest moments when he was first diagnosed was I didn't know what to do um, with him because I was like, do I stay at the hospital or do you need time to digest? Like I'm somebody like, if I got something like that, I would want somebody there, but we are Mm -hmm. polar opposites. So I left him alone at the hospital that night because Mm -hmm. uh, I thought he would need time to kind of work through it on his own. And little did I know he's like processing, um, who he's going to ask to take care of me. Cause I'm trying to take care of him. He's trying oh, to take gosh. care of me. Mm-hmm. And that's, he always takes care of me. Like that's his thing. Like he's excellent that way. So here he is, you know, trying to take care of me and I'm trying to take care of him. And in the, the post-cancer world, that was kind of where we were at. And I totally just lost my train of thought on that. Just <laughs> there's that's my, okay. no, uh, I was just asking about how his emotions and how he was oh. doing, but yeah. It's, it really, it takes you, excuse me for a second. I need to cough. (coughs) Sorry. It takes you on this whole journey of, you know, your emotions are here, your emotions are there. And so you were supporting him. He wanted to take care of you, but I'm hoping you had a support system also as well. Um, Sounds like your mom was close and, you know, it's, it's super important to have those people that you can just talk to. Yeah, I do. Or, or uh, not talk to and you can just go cry if you need to. 
Yeah, no, I had a very good support system. Um, I have a friend named Sandy who did the most amazing thing. Cause I also had the friends that I no longer have because yep. of it things that happened mm-hmm. during that time. Like people taking it very personally that I can't bring food to your house. Like, no, there's, Jer- you're calling me Jeremy. Like, no, we just, we're not going to have any foreign mm-hmm. anything. Your yeah. microbiome is different than ours. So we're right. just not sharing food. And they had a fit like, no, but my girlfriend, Sandy, the day uh, after he was told he had cancer, we didn't know what or anything. She, Mm -hmm. she just called and said, I'm going to come to the hospital tomorrow and I'm going to bring a book and I'm going to sit in the lobby. And if you need me, come on down and talk. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to be there at eight. I'm going to leave at five unless you tell me otherwise. Um, And you never have to come downstairs, but if you need me, I'm there. Oh my, that's amazing. Because that's, that's one thing that, People always are like, what can I do? And yeah. which is wonderful. They, they want to do something, but they don't know. Yeah. And at the point when you're diagnosed or your loved one is diagnosed, you don't know what you need either. But that, that is truly amazing. And I'm, I'm going to remember that because people do ask, like, what can I do for someone? I'm like, just, just be there. Just, yeah. and you don't have to talk. You don't have to do anything, but just be there. So huge kudos to Sandy. That is yeah. amazing. Um, Sandy Clark. (laughs) Go Sandy. Um, But let's start to talk about how you have transitioned this, um, you know, what you went through with Brandon's lymphoma to getting involved with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and something that you're involved with um, the man and woman of the year campaign. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And actually that that'll lead into some of the stuff about how Brandon's feeling. Um, So I wrote the, the book, The Cancer Patient's Wife, and that's going through edit right now. And um, I was dragging my heels post-edit. So I was calling around to be like, I want to donate the book to mm-hmm. um, help other people going through this because I felt like the, all the brochures and everything was so serious. And I'm just mm-hmm. not that serious. Right. Um, and nor is my husband. So I wanted something a little lighter where I'd still learn something. And so I wrote this book. And I ended up meeting a woman named Katie at the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And we had a call and I was talking to her about like, hey, when this book is done, this will help light a fire under my tush. Um, would you guys want to like hand it out or sell it or something to help benefit the mm-hmm. LLS? And she's like, absolutely. And then she's like, but I'd like to nominate you for Woman of the Year to um to compete. I'm like, what does that mean? Well, very clever, fancy way of, of getting people to <laughs> compete to fundraise, but for such uh-huh. a good cause, of course. Right. I'm like, absolutely. My husband's like, oh gosh, you you already had a full plate. I'm like, yeah, but it was this, and it's this opportunity. I've got to do it. So starting April 8th, I started a 10-week uh, fundraising campaign with 12 friends um, as my team. And the goal was to raise, well, I'd like to raise 250000 was mm-hmm. the goal, which I know was a ginormous amount of money. But the bare minimum in my brain was 50000 So we okay. could direct the funds to Dr. Pegel, um, the doctor that saved my husband's life, his mm-hmm. research. Okay. And then the bigger goal now is 100000 Um Coming from Hollywood, I got a celebrity talent booker. So I had... Um, big ideas about what I'd be able to do if I could get one celebrity to share the video series mm-hmm. uh, and our idea with the video series. So the video series is called confessions of a caregiver and there's 10 mini episodes. Uh, they're roughly 90 seconds each. Some mm-hmm. are one minute, some are two minutes, but most roughly 90 seconds. Um, and they're all over like YouTube, Facebook, they're on every, I even made them on TikTok. And I know <laughs> That's I'm fabulous. Very old for TikTok. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I know nothing about TikTok. So it's yeah. Stay away from it. It's it's <laughs> addictive. You get in there and you're like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I started back in uh, February, March, right after I was nominated, working with my friend Heidi Ng and uh, Lisa Devlin. Um, trying to figure out like how could we create a video series that would be easy to watch that you could learn and that would be kind of fun. And my friend Lisa had just seen um, drunk histories. So mm-hmm. she was kind of stuck yep. on that. Uh, my friend Heidi Ng has a very close friend going through cancer treatment um, for, I think it's some, something in the throat. I don't think it's oh. throat cancer, but some, it's, um, it's, um, 
thyroid usually thyroid cancer mm-hmm. i think that's probably it um so she, she's very interested in helping the cancer um community and uh we came and she goes well you always talk about being a caregiver. What about doing something about confession? So the three of us together came up with this plan. And then I got a team of, I don't know, 40 friends. Um, and everyone we asked was so kind to, to donate their time. So I had my favorite cameraman, Stefan Sherperl, who stepped in and, and he, mm-hmm. um, he was our director of photography, but he also was another director like the Lisa, myself, and he directed the piece. He shot it, he edited it. And then I had friends from all over, all over the place come into town to um, act in it for free. The market theater down at Pike Place Market mm-hmm. donated to the theater. I was just amazed at, at, the, at the generosity around this. And the goal with this was instead of trying to go out and, you know, go to some big company and go give me $100,000, which would be lovely too. Of course. Um, but if I could get a whole bunch of people to give five, 10, 20, $25 from mm-hmm. all over the country, we could raise a ton of money for cancer and it wouldn't hurt people's pocketbooks. Exactly. And it's, it's something that's very important right now, but people are so, I can't tell you how many times I've also heard like, well, we're going through COVID and you've got the restaurants and you've got, you know, X, Y, and Z that's going on right now. Why would I pay attention to cancer? And it's like, because cancer is not going away just cancer because is, there's something else. It is all, cancer is always here. And that's, it's, yeah, it's, it's so worthwhile what you're doing. And I, I want to talk a lot more about the, the shows, um, but we do have to take a break and we'll be back soon. So stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hi, I'm Michelle Beck. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm here with Marin Higby, and we're talking about Oh, excuse me. Not my cold. Um, we're talking about what it's like to be a caregiver when your loved one has cancer and how Marin has really taken this to the next level to help raise money to end this horrible disease. And I know all of you know out there, if you're listening, you've been affected by cancer. You have loved ones who've been affected by cancer. And this research, while it may be well, Marin is looking for donations to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, it's important for all cancers because any research, any money that goes towards research will in effect, if it's working, will blossom out to other cancers. So it's so important. Personally, I've had breast cancer twice. My grandmother passed from breast cancer. My stepmother had a rare bone marrow blood type cancer called myelodysplastic syndrome, um, which originally they thought was lymphoma, but then was this whole other crazy thing. And unfortunately that Um, and she was young, she was 59 and it, you know, she, unfortunately from diagnosis when she passed was like six months and they just don't know enough about these things. So the research is super important. And what 
so finding the the society LSS, what has been super important with you in, in making that connection? So something that's um, one reason why I was so pleased to get involved with Leukemia Lymphoma Society was that their research, something like 60% of um, blood cancer therapies are used to go and treat all kinds of other treatments um, for different cancers. I think something like uh, since 2000, more than 40% of the new cancer therapies approved by the FDA started with blood cancer, which makes sense. I mean, your blood mm -hmm. is going all the way through your system. So right. it makes sense. I mean, even um, my husband's diagnosis and treatment was 2017 and 18. Even now, I think he would be able to be outpatient. Um, if, wow. With, with the advances that have been made in the past few years. With the advances. Yeah. And That's amazing. We, it would have been a, a phenomenally different experience. And mm -hmm. um, I'm a fatalist and I don't mean fatalist. I mean, fate a list yep. mm -hmm. <laughs> about it, that uh, we had to go through this experience for something that we learned. And um, I, I'm glad that, that they've made these advancements though, because Oh my gosh, it's it, it, being able to be home in your own bed and, and, and being able to feed your loved one and not like the nights I was away from him stressing out about it or the, mm -hmm. the cricks in my neck from being in a cot or a bed and a, at a chair all night. Um, but we were talking about LLS. <laughs> so that's sorry, okay. I keep, I keep that's... taking my little bird walks in my house. We call it squirrel. Yeah. Squirrel. <laughs> That's completely how I live my life. So no worries on that. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyways, I was very excited to get involved with LLS. I'm very excited about this campaign. Um, I've learned a lot about myself in 10 weeks. But the other really interesting thing that happened was as I started developing the, the show Confessions of a Caregiver, um, it didn't dawn on me how rough it would be even three years out to actually be recreating mm -hmm. that period of my life. And second, I didn't realize that my stoic husband would be so affected by the recreation of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've both gone through counseling or both still in counseling. We're both still processing. It's, it's a, it's a journey, not a sprint, but, um, we had to have a lot of really difficult conversations about it when I started pulling up all these things and, and he's private and I'm very public. And yeah, so I, that's, that's exactly my husband and I, I'm like, there's some things I want to talk about on the show. He's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he felt like we, you know, we bonded, we had a very strong marriage before this, but we have a very, very strong marriage now mm -hmm. um, still. And, it continues to get stronger, but he felt like I was sharing these, these personal moments. So I was, when I was writing the book, I fictionalized it. So he didn't feel so, so bad because mm -hmm. there, there's this thread It wasn't of truth. spotlighting him. It was right. more so the, what actually happened. But when you're doing this, it's, it's very personal. You know, you talk about, you know, my husband and if when you when listeners when you go to watch them they're hilarious i was introduced to marin by a friend a coworker and friend who you guys went to high school together but i was not expecting these episodes to have levity and humor and taking really challenging situations and making them funny you know you're highlighting how oh there's my husband's butt in the hospital hospital gown again and um it's it's just amazing. Tell us um, really quickly how they, I know you, you did a little bit, but um, where can listeners find the episodes again? Yeah, uh, you can look for Confessions of Caregiver on, or I called it Confessions of a Cancer Caregiver post mm -hmm. because the name got it confusing. Anyways, it's on YouTube uh, under Marin, and under Marin Sherry. Um, you can look on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok. Okay, so they're everywhere. Everywhere mm -hmm. I could think of other than Snapchat because I, I missed that wave. I am in my 40s, you know, so you, I can't You skipped chat. It. Snapchat went to TikTok. I don't I know went, that. I don't get that one, but. I work in video production, so I thought I should kind of know something about what's <laughs> happening there. I don't know. Do you have, and I, I, I had watched a few episodes when we first started talking, but last night I went and watched the eight that are available. The ninth is coming out today. Do you have one that's your favorite? Hmm. 
My favorite one. Well, I think the drunk in the hospital one, which is last that, week's. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. That was my favorite going through them. Because so Marin talked about how one night she went out with some girlfriends and to let off some steam and got got a little tipsy and then came back to the hospital and was like, hi, I'm good and I'm going to take care of you. And, you know, and when we're all had a little too much to drink and we're talking what we think is a normal voice and it is definitely not normal. And then <laughs> then the the nurse came in and just kind of eyed you. And then what what he what happened then? Oh, gosh. So this poor, he was the, the quiet, shy nurse. And I am flirty pants. When I have alcohol, I am the friendliest drunk. And I think everybody's my best friend. So I just told him he was the best guy and he was the best nurse. And everybody knows that he's a great nurse. Um, and uh, so he just like, oh, okay. And then he came back with this huge cup of crackers and water <laughs> for me. Yeah. which was hilarious, and, you know, and the parts of the thing, I was trying to change my clothes and I got into one of the chairs and fell backward and it went into the <laughs> wall. And, and my poor husband is laying there on chemo. And I mm -hmm. think this is hilarious. Mm -hmm. And um, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't find that humorous at all. Uh, so was the there a counseling session about that one? <laughs> <laughs> no. Luckily, we worked through that one. I only did that trick once mm -hmm. um, in, in the time that we were living in the hospital. Uh, it was funny that one of my family members told me that that was, a, that was an embarrassment for the family that I, I let people know about that. Oh, well, you know. I was I was going to say shit happens. Excuse, excuse my language, yeah. but um, I I had a very not similar experience, but um, I had started taking edibles post-treatment because for pain, pain management. And I accidentally took too many, not on purpose. And I got so super high that it was hilarious to me. My husband did not think it was very hilarious, but I had written this really long blog post about it. And he goes, I don't know if you want to publish that right now. And so I never published it, but I actually read it on, on the show a couple months ago because it's kind of an intro to me. I read like a bunch of my blog posts and I, I thought it was hilarious. And he was still like, oh, you, you talked about that? I'm like, yeah, it was funny. It was funny shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey. Um, yeah, but the, ep the, the episodes are amazing. And um, what's your hope for the series? Well, my hope is that it lives beyond the campaign. I mean, you know, of course, I'm doing the the Man Woman of the Year campaign. It would be lovely to have Woman of the Year for LLS, uh, mm -hmm. sure. But really, this is about trying to end cancer, like period. Those videos will live on forever. Mm -hmm. They are now out and about. Um, my hope is that LLS uses them. We can change the end cards, the title cards, and that they just continue to raise money. They continue to gain steam and they continue to show people that we're all human. And like, yes, I showed up at the hospital drunk. I didn't know how to be a caregiver. You know, I laughed at my husband's butt and I, you know, like we just, we're still human and, and there is no perfect way to go through this. It's, it's devastating. Um, it's devastating for everyone around you. I mean, Brandon's parents had their own experience. Um, and then you've got, as a caregiver, good Lord, everyone doesn't want to bother the cancer patient. But for some reason, they don't realize you're going through something. So they exactly start telling you how, how hard this is for them. And it's like, is there someone else you can talk to? Yeah. Anybody <laughs> like, else? Like, do you not yeah. see what, what I'm doing here? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm still trying to hold our life together, support my husband, live in the hospital, have my career, yeah. you know, and worry about who's taking care of the dog and who's paying the bills and, and all of those things. And it's hard. Yeah. It's incredibly hard. And, you know, thank you so much for sharing and, and creating this, this series. It's, it's really, it's really fun. So, but tell us how people can donate to, to your campaign. Yeah. So if you find the video, there's a donate link on any one of those sites, but the easiest way to donate um, is tiny.cc like cat cat backslash Emma's and Marin Higby H-I-G-B-E-E. -E. It's just a little link and it takes you to the LLS page and there's a little bit more about our story, a little bit more about how lucky um, we really are lucky. And there's so many people that I saw while we were living in the hospital that weren't that lucky. 
and that Mm -hmm. didn't get to keep their loved one or didn't get to keep their life. And so my goal in this is to help raising money for blood cancers um, that treat all cancers because Mm -hmm. this journey is so difficult for, for everyone um, involved. It's, and, and I just would love to do a shout out to all the oncology workers because those are angels on earth. I can't even begin Mm-hmm. To state the gratitude for the love and care they take beyond the medical knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely had a fabulous, fabulous care teams and um, especially the nurses, the doc, the doctors have that they have their brain smarts and they do what they do. And, you know, they, they make the magic happen, but the nurses are amazing and just the, the care and the compassion and everything they do is fabulous. Um, how much longer do you have for the campaign that people can donate? So um, anything before like June 17th at three o'clock will count towards my campaign. But if you can't donate before then, you can still go to that page and donate and it still goes to help treat cancer. So I would love it if you donated before then, but if not, just consider, consider it as one of, one of the charities that you could support. Well, I love that. And that's fabulous. So we're, we're almost done, unfortunately, but is there anything else you would like to share maybe to some other caregivers out there, some advice that you learned or just something special that, you know, will help them get through. Take care of yourself too. Be nice to yourself too. And when you make a mistake, you're human. And take a day off from the hospital or whatever and let somebody help you. Like I was always afraid to be away from Brandon. And then there was one day my friend said, you know, my same friend Sandy and her husband, Bob, um, they came to the hospital, hung out with Brandon. Not that he needed the attention, but I needed to know someone was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took myself home and just puttered around my house for the day. And I felt rejuvenated and I was a better caregiver after that. I, it's just take care of yourself and love on yourself because that's what your loved one needs too. Yeah, super important. Thank you for that. And Marin, thank you so much for being here today and sharing the story and Absolutely. making us laugh with the videos. So if you have not seen them, listeners go watch them. They're hilarious. I can't wait for the last two to come out. Um, and, but if you would like to donate to help Marin and the LS society, cause I can't say it all, um, please <laughs> go to tiny.cc forward slash M H I G B E E. So again, thank you for being here today. Um, Listeners out there, if you would like to donate to Breast Friends, you can go to breastfriends.org. But if you want to nominate yourself to be a guest on my show or share a warrior story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.